Hey, everybody. Steve here, Local Level Podcast. I'm sitting here today with Greg Weissman at Properties. Uh, he's a real estate agent, and we're going to talk uh, about some very interesting things today. Hi, Steve. <laughs> it's a pleasure to have you on. Um, so tell me a little bit about uh, Greg Weissman. Well, uh, I'm 52, and uh, real estate's been my career pretty much since college. So um, I'm into it almost 30 years, and uh, uh, my bread and butter for much of that time has been residential transactions, helping people buy and sell their homes. Yeah. But in addition to that, what's a little bit unique about my career, perhaps, is that I've done other things in addition to that within the field of real estate. The listeners know, you know, we've done a few interviews with uh, real estate agents before and, uh, you know, it's it's always interesting to hear the differences in style and uh, the backgrounds. Um, why did you get into it? What excites you about it? What part of it? And what would you say is your style? It's a good question. I'll go back a couple of sentences. Sure. And, and touch on the fact that you've got a product to sell. The reality is in real estate, I'm selling a service. Yeah. I'm the product. Right. The particular property that I'm representing at any one given time is, is a product. But when you're in service, when you're in the service business, you're selling yourself. Right. And, and that's what I do. Um, but uh, to that point, I, I, I feel, frankly, that I'm better at the, the day-to-day uh, practice of selling property, helping buyers and sellers keep their lives moving forward. Right. And perhaps not as skilled at selling myself. So that's <laughs> something that I'm continually working on. Right. Yeah. We talked about that uh, a little bit as well. And, you know, this is something whenever I sit down with somebody, everybody's a little, you know, nervous. Uh, it's a lot, a lot of times it's, it's people's first time uh, doing an, you know, an interview, but you've actually been featured on Good Morning America before. Can you tell me a little bit about I that? Have, that was kind of a fun experience. Um, <laughs> my wife would uh, differ with that point because uh, she lived through it as uh, <laughs> as my spouse. But um, about 15 or 20 years ago, I bought a very small lot in Deerfield, mm-hmm. not because it was gorgeous, but because it was really, really cheap. I bought a lot in Deerfield for $15,000, which oh, wow. even at that time, it was, for all intents and purposes, it's kind of like free. Yeah. <laughs> so my attitude was, whatever I can build there, I'm going to buy that lot. Yeah. And um, the, the goal for me was not to do something unique or crazy. It was just to, to you know, do a nice legal project, try to make a few dollars and move on. Mm-hmm. Um and I did discuss with the head of the village uh, building department the idea of getting some uh, relief from the zoning department so that I could build a rectangular house more along the lines of what okay. most people yeah. buy and like. And he said, you're probably not going to get that. So I said, OK, fine. And I just didn't pursue it. And I built what the zoning code allowed me to build which happened to be a, a, basically a, a long, skinny triangle. Um, and as, I, as we dug the foundation and as we started building, uh, the, the community kind of 
um, went a little bit nuts and mm -hmm. it was, it, it, people were questioning, what is it? Is the neighbor building a pool? What's happening? Uh, and, um, the, you know, the news, local newspapers picked it up and then the radio and then local TV. And then, you know, everyone was talking <laughs> about it. My wife was mortified. Uh, the open houses, those were, those were a blast when we had an open house, when it was finally done, yeah, I would, you know, put a sign out in front of the door. Then I would drive around a couple of blocks and put a couple more signs out with arrows right. directing people in. <laughs> and by the time I would get back eight minutes later, There'd there would be, be like a line of 12 people. Yeah. <laughs> and then I would open the doors and, and I did a, several of these and I would have three, 400 people come through in an afternoon. Wow. So it was like a roadside attraction. It was, it was, it was insane. Is it still there? It is. And it's on the market. Oh, wow. It happens to be on the market right now about the same price as what I sold it for back then. Wow. Um, but it was, uh, it was really funny. And then things died down for several months. And then mm -hmm. a guy named Mike Leonard, who did humorous personal interest stories for the today show. Sure. A number of years back, he called me and he wanted to do a bit on the house. And so he did. And that was, was kind of funny. And wow. I never thought I'd be on the today or the, the house. Oh, it was more the today than, more show. than me on the today show. Gotcha. Yeah. You, that kind of just like happened, right? It, 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 did. Just, it, just, it just happened, happened to you. That's right. Wow. That's, that's, uh, that's, I didn't seek that out, but it, yeah. it, it evolved into that. Have you ever like, uh, thought about trying to recreate that or was that just a fluke that would never be able to happen? It was pretty much a fluke. Yeah. Yeah. And, it was a uh, flu. So, okay. So, you, you know, you, you have uh, people hunting you down, trying to get all this information. Why was it a nightmare, according to your wife? Well, the, as the community was discussing it, yeah, not everything about it was flattering. Okay. People, people hate change. Most people don't like real estate developers. They just they don't like anything about that. So there's this crazy new skinny house being built in yeah. town and everyone was talking about it. And, you know, if my wife was at the, the, the hair salon and people were talking about it, she just wanted to crawl into the hole. She hated <laughs> that whole process. But yeah, um, we live to tell about it and we laugh about it now. And it's a good story. Um, it's a good story. It's my my 15 minutes of fame, so to yeah. speak. <laughs> well, it's you know, I mean, it's a it's a good story. Definitely. Um, not everybody, you know, that uh, sells real estate ends up on the Today Show. You true, know? true, um, true. So, so that was fun. Yeah. I enjoyed the the whole observing how the media kind of picks things up and right. runs with it. And it's wild how that, that works. sort of thing. It was. Yeah. You know, it's like kind of uh, pre viral videos, mm -hmm. right? So it's like the organic mm -hmm. just distribution, just grassroots people interested in something. It was, it's wild how that it works. was interesting for me to be a part of that. Yeah. I did a project uh, several years later. Mm -hmm. I'll just jump in and say yeah, that for sure. Um, uh, sort of on the same topic where I did some houses that were, uh, not as unique as the pie house, mm -hmm. but they were unique in the sense that they were uh, green. Okay. I had studied a lot about green development, sustainable design, yeah. that sort of thing. And I, and I have a passion for it and I believe in it. And I built two spec houses that embraced a lot of those ideals, sure. ener energy efficiency, walkability, using uh, recycled content materials, addressing mm -hmm. things like indoor air quality. And, um, that was also on on television. Uh, NBC Five did a a regular thing where they would uh, um, uh, highlight some 
environmental sort of a topic. Wow. And we were on one week and it was the meteorologist, Ginger Z, that came to the house mm. and did a little bit. And that was kind of fun as well. Yeah. Um, and uh, those houses won a Good Neighbor Award by the Chicago Association of Realtors that year, which was, I think, 2007 or eight. Wow. And you say that you're not good at promotion. <laughs> been on tv twice well right? the houses were great uh, yeah right <laughs> yeah that, well that's uh that's that's really interesting so you know i mean i think that maybe you're selling yourself a little short um because you definitely you got some stories to tell <laughs> that's for sure um and uh so you know like i was telling you i was just talking to somebody that uh does solar mm -hmm. um so maybe you actually have insight on this because you know that the guest that i had on it's a phoenix solar company and mm -hmm. he was talking about how you know it, you can you can actually get a loan and there's no money out of pocket to mm -hmm. put the solar on the roof you know and, and i asked him a question that that you probably can answer so so the question that i asked him was how does that affect a real estate agent so like if you're trying to sell your house, is that going to improve the value of the house having the solar panels on there? Or is it going to be a liability? Is it going to be something that'll actually make it more difficult to sell? Maybe you can answer that question. That's a good question. And there's some research to suggest that there is a um, small premium mm -hmm. that should be achieved by houses that have green features, such as um, a solar so, array on the roof. Um, one of the interesting things that's happening with solar uh, is the payback period. Mm, yes, you know, exactly. If, if you're marketing a house, and I learned this with my spec houses in Highland Park, which won awards, but financially were not a, right. gi a giant win for me. My timing was not ideal. I bought the land in 05 mm -hmm. and I sold the houses in 2008. So the timing was kind of yeah, less than ideal. Right. But um, as solar gets cheaper, and as um, communities uh, are more receptive to how that's executed on a particular property, mm -hmm. the payback periods get shorter. So most fam, most, and I found that that men were kind of, the husbands were, were more interested in the dollars and cents on a green project and mm -hmm. the women more were more interested in the- The impact. The less uh, economic oriented, items like the indoor air quality and the more healthy environment. Right. Whereas the guys were all about, well, why would I pay more for this house unless I'm going to save money on utilities? Yeah. Yep. It's all about the dollars. Right. So um, to the extent that we can get green features to um, have a shorter payback period, more people will jump on board. When you when it costs $25,000 to do a solar array and it's going to take you 24 years to get that 25,000 back. Right. It's a hard sell. Yeah, definitely. Uh, which is why a lot of these solar companies, I understand, have different sort of financing models where they can put it in at, you know, no upfront cost. Yeah. And you could reap some of the benefits in terms of lower utility bills. Yeah, it was really interesting um, how he kind of explained it because, it, you know, it's, it's kind of like I guess the what we compared it to was buying a car. You know, it's a you take out a loan, you get you get it done, but you have to pay it off. And um, I, I the the main question that I ask is like, you know, is that going to be since you have this big loan and this you know these payments that you have to pay for many years, mm -hmm. is that going to make things more complicated when you're trying to sell 
because you know you might not be there you know when you finally pay it off you know mm-hmm. he said you could transfer it but you also the 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 person that that purchases the house actually has to be qualified for the to take over the payments so it's like another oh, hurdle that's, that's interesting isn't that crazy to the extent that you're um complicating a sale and and yeah. having, having a buyer have to assume a liability right that could complicate things yeah yeah that, that was my thinking on that i i i figured you know the more uh the more things you have to be qualified for, the more mm-hmm. transfers and all that stuff, it's more headaches, I figure. Yep. But, uh, you know, I mean, it's, it's an emerging market. Uh, it's, it's funny cause I didn't even know that you were really into the green, green stuff as much. So it's a perfect, uh, you know, I mean, we, we just covered this on the other show. So, uh, what other things can people do to, to make their, house more attractive and more green you know i mean because you come at this from the perspective of actually like seeking out properties that are easy to flip you know to to make a profit on that are going to be good for your you know your your buyers Um, so what are some of the things that a homeowner can do right now to make their house a little bit more effective Uh, that's a good question one uh service that exists that i don't think a lot of people are aware of is something called an energy audit Mm mm-hmm where you can have a professional come into your house and uh, examine things and run certain tests to try to ascertain uh, where you're getting leakage, whether it's you know windows or attic or whatever. Sure. And they can give you pointers on how to improve it. And sometimes it's it's fairly inexpensive, and and it can not only make the house cheaper to operate from a utility bill standpoint. Yeah. But also just flat out more comfortable, Mm -hmm. better insulation, more comfort, less cold spots, that sort of thing. I had that done actually at my previous house and it really, it really made a difference. So I was glad I did. Yeah. So who would you contact for that? It's an energy auditing firm. Okay. And there, and there are lists. I don't remember what, what the, um, the website name would be for a list of certified auditors but i'm sure google knows but if you go to energy audit um or the energy star website something through the the uh the state sure you'll easily find it okay well that's helpful knowledge right there and And uh, sometimes it's even just fun to watch the guys how they test (laughs) they have some some interesting equipment they have infrared guns and cameras and they have little puffers and they try to detect which way air is moving and that sort of thing. I've seen that with HVAC people, mm-hmm. you know, the pressure putting uh, mm-hmm. you know, by the door jams and all that stuff to see how much air. Oh, the blower door test. Yeah. Yeah. That's interesting. That yeah, uh-huh. it is. It, it really is. Um, <laughs> so that's, that's your, your thing. You nerd out with that stuff. Right? I do. Yeah. I love learning. <laughs> I'm not, I'm not, um, you know, the world's fair expert, but I love, I've studied it. Yeah. I have a passion for it. I believe it. I believe it's the future. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, I love learning about it. Things that are kind of in relation to what you do. It, it, it is important stuff. And unfortunately, it's not being embraced in our area as right. much as it is in other areas of the country. Mm-hmm. Um, but I'm hoping that we're going to get there uh, very soon. Yeah. Uh, from what I hear, we're one of the biggest up and coming markets, uh, for, for solar, uh, uh, interesting fact 
that I heard was that the number one solar, uh, I guess, market is actually in Germany, mm. which has a, a much harsher climate as far as sun, like the amount of sun, which uh, is is very strange, you know, because mm-hmm. people think that, you know, we live in Chicagoland, you know, the, you know, the northern U.S. states, we get snow half the year or more um, and uh, and solar doesn't really come to the forefront of your mind as a mm-hmm. homeowner. It's mm-hmm. not something that you think is going to be viable, but it, it sounds like it actually could be a real thing. I think it can be. Yeah. Part of it is literally, and I, I had a, a, a company come to my house to do an analysis mm-hmm. just recently. Oh, wow. And part of the, uh, the analysis is which way does your roof face? Yeah. Yeah. And w- what sort of trees do you right. have that would shade the panels? So, mm-hmm. It's not just the climate, but it's your specific situation. Yeah, yeah. Um, a southern-facing panel. Yeah, if you southern. have if you have an unobstructed, huge south exposure, right? That's ideal. Yeah, yeah. It, one of the things that uh, other real estate agents, uh, brokers have talked about is, you know, when they're selling a home to somebody, if they're specifically like a gardener or into gardening. Mm. You know, the, the the amount of sun that comes into the yard and the direction, that's an important thing as well. It makes an enormous difference because I've tried yeah. and failed miserably <laughs> at gardening yeah. because I didn't have an appropriate amount of light. Right. Among yeah. other things. Uh, on top of having minimal skill, yeah, right, right. I didn't have the amount of sunlight that a vegetable garden needed. Yeah, it's uh, it's those are things that people don't think about. You know, those little, Mm -hmm. those little things about a property, I figure are, um, when you have that, that kind of background knowledge, you know, and you can, you can kind of like take that into account when you're helping somebody find the correct place, Mm -hmm. um, goes such a long way. Uh, so, I mean, what would be uh, getting a little bit into the business side of what you do specifically, what, uh, would you say is your, your golden client? Who is the if if you could have if you could have a client uh, the same type of client the same type of needs walk through the door or call you every day what would that client be That's a great question. Can I table that and sure. come back to it in two seconds? Absolutely. On the theme of it just occurred to me and I, I don't have this in my notes but it occurred to me as we were talking about green development mm-hmm. that as I was studying it I came across this architect developer guy yeah. who I wasn't previously familiar with who was building these crazy houses in in uh, New Mexico okay in uh, a community called Taos T A O S New Mexico hmm. and as I'm reading about him I learned that you can rent one of these houses so I was able to convince my wife <laughs> oh wow to go with me and rent one really and they he called them earth ships huh and it looks kind of like a hobbit hole it's it's the house is made out of tires used car tires that are kind of stacked and filled with earth and then they cover it with earth so it looks like a little hill yeah and there's only one exposure and the one exposure is facing south and um uh, they have rainwater catchment systems and they have solar power and they have gray water filtration systems. Wow. And I was expecting it to be kind of um, rough. Yeah, you know, like camping. <laughs> yeah. Right. But the houses on the inside, the one that we rented, was gorgeous. Wow. 
and really comfortable. And um, it was a really memorable, special experience. And out in, in um, Taos, New Mexico, where, yeah. where, where there's not a lot of development where we were. Is it like desert? Yes. Okay. Um, I would call it desert. There may be a subclimate name for it, but to me it was desert. Sure. Coming from Chicago, um, it's a desert. Right. <laughs> so um, there's no light pollution. Yo, where yeah, we were. Yeah. So at night, when we looked up into the sky, See the Milky Way and everything. It was it was spectacular. Wow. Yeah. It was really special and a really memorable experience. And kudos to my wife for going with me. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's 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 an experience. So how long did you stay? I think it was two nights. Okay. And uh, so, like, could people rent those right now? Or you is could. It- I haven't gone back to the site in a while. I would say probably yes. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was, they were just sort of in a holding pattern until they sold a particular home and the homes were more expensive than I was expecting. They were not cheap, Wow! but they were pretty, pretty comfortable and pretty special. And, um, uh, I, I, I'll always remember that experience. Yeah. That was fun. Was so, it, is it completely off grid? Yes. So it's like completely self-contained, like, uh, your power, your water, everything. Yes. That's my recollection. Mm. Totally off grid. Wow. Yeah. That's, uh, it would be scary to try something in a cold climate. (laughs) That's all I have to say about that. So yeah, the desert, um, but yeah, it can definitely be done. And, you know, and these houses have walls that are probably six feet thick. So they're really well insulated Mm -hmm. and they would, they would do pretty well, I think, even in a colder climate. Well, you know, in the desert, I mean, it's, there's huge swings Mm -hmm. the nighttime is very, you know, it could be pretty chilly as well. So yeah, that's uh, really interesting. I mean, it's it's a really interesting thing because there's so much technology that's already there and it's not even like new technology. Mm-hmm. Like it, people have been living off the grid. The grid is a fairly new thing, <laughs> you know? So there's all this technology and people think that it's like, you know, it's been around for a long time mm-hmm. and it can definitely be done. People can live at a high level. So it's mm-hmm. interesting to see kind of how that swings back around and uh, people are kind of looking for that. But um, You're already seeing a movement. Um, I'm seeing it, feeling it, hearing it, reading yeah. about it, where um, the desire for really, really large homes is starting to really wane. Yeah, it's so it's, it's um, even people that can afford it. Right. They don't necessarily want it anymore. Why? Yeah, it's um, as a matter of fact, I had a, a, a uncle of mine. He had a huge house out in um, Naperville. It mm-hmm. was a house that he got built. Mm-hmm. And it was a and it was huge. Mm-hmm. I mean, it was like, it was a house where you're like, why, you know? <laughs> and, you know, and that was, I think it was probably pre the, the housing market collapse, you know, crash. Yeah. yeah. So, um, but, you know, just, just thinking about it, having a, a, a smaller house, you know, myself, I mean, paying for just heating or air conditioning for that, mm-hmm. for what, you know, it's mm-hmm. crazy. And then they ended up moving out of there because it didn't make any sense. Um, so yeah, I mean, if you're, if you're, I think the McMansion is kind of going out of style. Would you agree with that? It is. Uh, There's still people that are doing custom builds. Um, people that have money can do what they want and some of them are very particular and, and there's, there, there are still houses that big houses that sell, Mm -hmm. but there, there's not, uh, the demand that there was before and, in my recent experience, the most unbelievable deals 
mm-hmm. certainly on a price per square foot basis, but just just in terms of uh, the value relative to the value five years ago mm-hmm. type of thing are on, on the bigger, more expensive homes. People are just trying to get rid of them. Yeah. I mean, some of those people with the $5 million, the $4 million and the $3 million yeah. homes, they literally have to take a 50% price cut in some cases to sell them. Not in all cases. Right. Sure. In some cases. Yeah. That's a huge hit. It's a huge hit. It's wild. That's wild. And, um, so when did you get started in real estate? I know I asked you before, but you, you've been doing this for early nineties. Yeah. So you've seen a couple, I've seen some cycles. Swings, yeah. Can you tell us a little bit about your experience in the latest, uh, you know, downturn? And are, are there any parallels now that you're seeing or is it a healthy market right now? The market is fairly balanced depending on where you're looking. If you're looking for a big house, yeah, you're, you're, if you're the buyer, you're in control. Mm-hmm. You're, you're in a good position you're going to you should be able to get a good deal on something right um but as you come down the the uh the scale in terms of more moderately priced houses it's it's just a function of all the typical criteria how much do you want to spend where do you want to live what sort of condition are you willing to uh, deal with you know if you're if you're willing to buy a house that that needs a lot of work or needs a fair amount of work Mm -hmm. Uh, you can do better again than if something is turnkey ready to go and, and beautiful and clean and right. modern and current looking. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so like, uh, your, your experience in the last downturn, um, how did that go for you? So to finish answering your last question at which I, I don't know if I'm doing a good job of answering everything, but You're doing a great job. I, yeah. I, what, what I'm seeing is that buyers are really well educated. They're really well informed. They know what's going on. They know what mm-hmm. the inventory is and um, they're not overpaying for stuff. They're really, really careful. Mm-hmm. Um, so I've, I've operated in markets where if you want to buy something, you just have to be fast and furious and you're writing deals on the hood of your car and all that kind of stuff those stories you've heard yeah yeah, definitely and i've seen it you know i've seen when things nosedived and um now i think it's kind of like okay uh i I think that our state uh, is under a bit of a dark cloud Mm -hmm. there's a lot of people that i have talked to including friends relatives clients who are either getting out of state or yeah. planning to get out of state because they're very concerned with a lot of our financial issues, yeah. including what's going to happen with real estate taxes, how we're going to solve the uh, pension fund crisis and all these things. It's, you know, our, our area has so much going for it. Yeah. And I think people kind of uh, take for granted. Yeah, definitely. We could be doing better. Yeah. Reputationally, and that sort of thing. Yeah, it's funny you say people moving out. The the example that I use my uncle with the you know giant house, he moved to Georgia, and uh, you know loves it. Mm-hmm. So you know, th- there's a lot of people that I, you know. I think um, we're like one of the leading exoduses. Yes, right? for uh, big cities. Yeah, yeah that's yeah. my understanding. Yeah, and the, you know it's a shame because it is you know it's such a there's so much to offer you know 
I think it's just, you know, I, I try to stay away from the politics on the show, but I think a mm-hmm. lot of, a lot of it has to do with that, you mm-hmm. know? And, uh, so that's unfortunate, but Hey, every, every swing, there's always a swing back. So I, I have to assume that at some point, yeah, we're going to solve this financial problem. I don't know if it's going to be in a few years or it's going to take a generation, but I have to assume that we will yeah. solve it eventually. Uh, we'll see where it goes, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm uh, trying to remain optimistic. Yeah, you got to. What are you going to do? You know? Some people can just pick up and 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 take their uh, business other places. Yeah, I can't. Yeah, I'm here. I'm staying here, and I'm promoting our area. Absolutely, I believe in it. So, okay, the great, great uh, segue. So, why is our area so great? I can go on for a while. So we you could talk there. about our source of fresh water, mm-hmm. our diverse economy, our phenomenal city, our spectacular array of restaurants, mm-hmm. our unbelievable um, museums and attractions. I live in Northbrook and right around the corner from us, we have a botanic gardens, which yep. is spectacular. Beautiful. Beautiful. We have a Vineyard music festival mm-hmm. and things like that, which are world class amenities, which a lot of other communities don't have. Right. A lot of people also don't think about school system. We have spectacular best, schools. Yeah. And in some of these other communities where people are leaving, they don't have it. Yeah. Now, granted, some people are leaving and they're empty nesters and schools are not a factor. Right. But for people for whom schools are a factor, you you know, we have that foundational advantage. Mm-hmm. Uh, Those are some powerful ones that you named you know, off. Our, our transportation. Mm. Oh, yeah, definitely. Public transportation, yeah. much better than in a lot of other places, our airports. Yeah. We have a lot going for us. Yeah, we don't have, uh, you know, if you can handle shoveling snow <laughs> and the cold, um, you're pretty good because we don't have earthquakes. We don't have forest fires. Um, there's no crazy natural disasters. Every now and then there's a flood. Mm-hmm. Uh, displays river basin or whatever. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, uh, you know, that going in, right. Mm-hmm. So, but for the most part, this is a, a yeah, definitely a great region. Um, you know, you know Steve, we, it wouldn't surprise me. I've been saying this to, to some of my friends. If, uh, in 10 or 20 years, people started flocking back to the Midwest yeah. because of the fact that we have fresh water and yeah. we don't have that litany of other um, uh, uh, natural disasters that other communities have. Right. Hurricanes were left off. Your oh, list. yeah. So, um, definitely. And specifically, even though we are in the Midwest with the Great Lakes, we're buffered from tornadoes as well. Right. So for the most part. So to some extent. Yes. Yeah. And uh, yeah. So, I mean, it's definitely I mean, you don't have to sell me on it. I, I, <laughs> I'm a strong proponent of uh uh, Chicagoland area. I love it here. Um, and, uh, you know, I mean, yeah, I, I agree. I think people will probably move back when, uh, times change, taxes change a little bit, maybe, um, <laughs> uh, to answer your question about my ideal client, right. Um, which was asked a few minutes ago and I digressed a little bit. No problem. Um, the answer is, um, and, and, you know, a lot of people talk about statistics and interest rates and Markets moving this way and markets moving that way. Mm-hmm. No one has ever called me because interest rates went down a quarter of a point. Right. People call me for every other reason except that they got married, they got divorced, yeah. they had another kid, uh, someone died, all, you know, job transfer. Right. That's why people call me. 
Mm-hmm. And they normally when people call me, they just want the, the assistance they need to help their lives moving forward. They want the real estate assistance that they need to keep life moving forward. Mm-hmm. So families that are committed to, to keeping their life moving, you know, selling their house, getting to their job out of state, uh, buying a bigger house because they now have three kids as opposed to two, that sort of thing. Those are great clients because they're going to, they're going to do it. They're going to follow your advice. They're going to value your judgment and they're going to make a transaction. The clients that are tougher are the ones that "Eh, maybe I'll move. Maybe I won't. I don't don't need to move, but no urgency. If something hits me in the face, I'll move. Those are the ones that, you know, you have to consider, do I want to spend a lot of time on that or not? Yeah, definitely. Would you say that, um, the easier clients are the ones that probably are looking towards you for your expertise and trusting you rather than yes. thinking they know about the market and they're kind it, of co. It's very, it's very hard when there's not a fair amount of trust. I'm hand, I'm typically helping people with their largest asset. Mm-hmm. And uh, when there's a lot of second guessing and when there's any mistrust, it just makes for a harder go. Yeah, yeah. Uh, when people buy in, they they tend to do better. And it doesn't have to be me. When people follow the advice of their intelligent realtor, who, yeah. who is in the market every day and knows what it takes to buy and sell a home, they do well. Yeah. I had a, a, a house in Northbrook a couple of years ago. I had it listed, I think, four times over two years, and I couldn't sell this place. Mm. And every time we listed it, the the homeowner did a little bit more work, you know, based on the feedback I was getting. We would take it a little farther, a little farther, a little farther, because it was kind of dated and a little bit unusual. Mm -hmm. And then finally, we sold it. And a lovely young family bought it. And they called me about 18 months. And they were on the other side of the transaction. Mm-hmm. But they called me 18 months later when their job situation changed and they wanted me to represent them in selling the house. Wow. So I, I went over there and they had done a couple of little small things to, to kind of spruce it up. But it was essentially the same house. Mm-hmm. And they said, Greg, we need to be out. What do we need to do? What do you recommend us to do to be done in, you know, as fast as possible? Right. I brought over my stager. I had I have my own opinions, but I, I typically work with a stager who I value highly. He's got some great ideas. And as a team, we walked through, we gave him a list of five or ten things. A little bit of accents here. Do this there. Paint this. Do that. They did every single thing we asked them to do. No, no questions. We worked together really well. We put the house on the market. We sold it for over full price in less than 48 hours. <laughs> same same house with just, you know, those extra little tweaks that made it present right. that much better. Yeah, the question. So one of the things that I, I always think about and kind of just in my experience dealing with and or working with real estate people, um, paint goes a long way. Uh, but also people don't think a lot of times about doing, an, you know, Justifying expense, maybe like an interior decorator, you know, if you're if staging is 
spectacular. Right. If you want to know what moves the needle in real estate, staging. Right. Right. The return on your investment with staging can be astronomical. It can be five to one, 10 to one. Yeah. Would you invest five grand on your house before you sell it? If you got an extra 50 grand for it (laughs) in a heartbeat. Yeah. And now we have resources um, at my company and other companies have similar things where you could even do renovation. You can bring a company in to do some renovation work Mm -hmm. and you could pay for that renovation work at the closing. So you don't even have to front any money. That's huge. That's huge. That's going to help a lot of people. Yeah. Yeah. And um, so you offer that particular service. We do. Wow. Um, so. it's, a, it's not our company. Right. It's, it's sort of a, a partner company right. that we do some work with. And um, uh, that's going to be a wonderful resource for a lot of people. That is, uh, yes, definitely a game changer. It's- I, I had a client in the city. And it'll be amusing if he ever watches this podcast, but he was living in a, in a one bedroom apartment with a wife and a child. Wow. 800 square feet. I couldn't believe it. Um, but, uh, he was, you know, sort of gearing up, I guess, to move at some point. Yeah. And he called me and I looked at his place and, you know, as tactfully as I could, I, I said, you know, it would really behoove you if we did a fair amount of stuff here. And he was all in. He wanted to he wanted to get the best dollar he could for his place. And he understood that it, it just didn't present well. Yeah. Um, we, he literally moved his entire family to his parents house. Hmm. And we we paint, you know, clean, decluttered, painted, staged, you name it. Yeah. And he was out of town part of the time. He came back and he went, oh, my God, Greg, this doesn't place want to move. Unbelievable. <laughs> yeah. He did want to move. But um <laughs> It really transformed the place. It was spectacular. And and he did well on the sale, which enabled him to buy, you know, the type of house he wanted to buy in the suburbs. And uh, it, w- it was just a win-win. Everyone, everyone did well. Yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, it's, uh, you know, preparation, uh, you know, presentation goes a long way, like you say, in, in almost everything. Um, and That's one of the things we try to encourage clients to do nowadays. Mm-hmm. Call us early. Yeah. Don't call us a week before you want to list. Call me six months ahead of time and let's plan out right. what we're going to do so that we hit the ground running on day one when we do list it. Right. And we and, and we nail, nail it, you know, because the first two weeks are really critical with selling a house. That's when you get the most eyeballs, the most traffic, right, right. the most showings. So. The best case scenario is to blow it out in the first week or two rather than you don't want to be on the market 90 days later. Mm, Right. So your interest is finding that hidden gem, Mm. you know, the diamond in the rough, something that has a lot of potential that people don't realize, um, which equals a lot of dollars for somebody if they're, you know, fixer uppers and flippers. Um, what would you say is, uh, the, the method to that madness? How, how do you approach that type of situation? That's a good question. Um, I, I started in the city in the nineties Yeah, and the market was really cranking at that point. It was easy for me to spot 
a building that was not at its highest and best use. Mm -hmm. So for example, one of my favorite transactions was I found a church, an old church building uh, that was being marketed. And I brought that to a developer um, who bought that, converted it into 13 or 14 condo units. Wow. Um, uh, another, the biggest deal I was ever part of is I, there was a 300,000 square foot six-story loft building in mm. River North, which was vacant. Wow. And at such a price and, and very well suited to be converted to residential condos, brought that That's to the huge. same developer. Yeah. And he converted that to 160 loft condo units. <laughs> and I think he did very well. Yeah. Well, that's a hot, hot place, especially you said that was in the nineties. That was in the nineties. Yeah. Wow. Wow. Yeah. So sometimes, and it could be anything. It could be a house. It could be a piece of land. Um, I don't know that there's a formula per se. You just have to kind of have a good feel for the market Mm -hmm. to ascertain whether uh, you have to know a little bit about, it helps to know a little bit about construction costs. Yeah. Uh, you just have to to understand if this property with this amount of construction is going to be worth more than what you have into it. Right. Um, it's not super complicated. I think it takes a little bit of practice. Sure, of course. I get. I, I I've got. I had a lot of people call me. You know, if I say, yeah, well, I'm always. I've always got. I'm always looking, and I have clients always looking for value add deals. Yeah. I'll have agents call me, and I'll say, how about this? And I say, okay, well, what do you think it? And I'll say, well, if you buy it for this and you put this into it, you can get this much on the way out. And I go, why would anyone do that for $20,000 gross? By the time you pay commissions <laughs> and blah, 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 you're already underwater. Because they, they, don't, they don't realize that you have to build in a certain amount of yeah. margin. Mm-hmm. Um, not everyone not everyone gets it. Most Most realtors, I think, have some level of savvy and then can spot a value add opportunity. Mm-hmm. One of the things that's changed recently with that is that since the market is totally flat and, and even going down in the higher brackets, uh, you have to be really, really careful if you do a value add deal. I was going to say, yeah. it's a very unforgiving environment. Yeah. When the market's going up five or 10% a year, you can have a little issue with your execution and you could still make money. When the market's flat or down, yeah. you really have to do everything right. Your numbers have to pan out right. for things to be profitable. Yeah. And there's also the time, you know, where your money's tied up in something. And that's that's what kills a lot of people. Um, I've uh, actually Miro interviewed a few a few of these, you know, flip people. Mm-hmm. Um, some are a lot more successful than others. Some of them some of the scary things that I've seen and tell me if maybe I'm being too scared, but people almost like advertising that they're taking out credit, like lots of credit to put into flips, like getting lots of credit cards and stuff like that. <laughs> and that's like their business model of applying for credit cards. And no, that is, that's not the way you do it. Well, I wouldn't imagine so. Um, but uh, so devil's advocate on their side. So if you have a a credit card that gives you rewards points, say, and you have like a $50,000 limit or something, 
and you get X amount of dollars in rewards for spending X amount of dollars. And that's where you get your profit. That's what people are doing. Is that, that's pretty scary, right? I've never met a guy that, that had that business model. <laughs> um, real estate is a fairly capital intense business. You can use yeah. some leverage with real estate and you can use leverage really smartly, which is, uh, you know, financing part of a purchase. Right. That's leverage. Um, but uh, a smart developer is going to be well capitalized enough to be able to remain standing when things don't pan out exactly as you hoped. Right. Uh, I was recently uh, representing a guy who was going to do two spec houses in Highland Park, uh, an experienced developer who I respect. Mm -hmm. And um, he decided, you know, I'm going to do one at a time. I'm not going to do two at the same time. I'm going to do one. And then when that's under contract, I'm going to do the other one. Mm. And, and it proved to be a very smart move because the first one didn't pan out as we both hoped. Mm. And, you know, he wasn't over leveraged out over his skis and, and in bad shape. He, he was able to withstand uh, what happened and, and sure. to keep moving forward and to build the second house when he had a buyer on board. Yeah, it's a it's a risky business uh, in some in some senses, you know. I mean, I think that totally. I think there's a lot of people that that underestimate how risky it can be. Yes. Um, have you encountered people that you have seen oh, really I've, screw I've, up? Oh yeah, I've seen a lot of people have lots of problems, mm -hmm. uh, and at the same time, I've had some colleagues uh, of mine recently where we look at certain properties that have changed hands and undergone a rehab and we and we say to each other how the heck did they get this amount of work done and 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 price it here do they have slave labor are they yeah. stealing their materials so um there, there there are some people that are operating in this market with uh, somehow some sort of lower overhead for yeah. labor or materials or both it's it's such a there's a lot of shadows in that <laughs> in that in that market you know the flip and stuff but you know and, th and then the scary thing is that it might look really nice it might pass a shady inspection or something you know and uh, and then you buy it and then the place falls apart you know that's that's a concept that I really struggle with is that the the reality is that developers want to put all their money in the things that into the areas of a house where people can see them and touch them. Yeah. They don't want to put any money into the other important components of the house right. that people don't see, feel and touch. I am uncomfortable a, as a developer ever right. hiding something that I know is nefarious. Right. Uh, so I recently did, did a project uh, in Highland Park and I noticed as we started tearing up carpeting i noticed some mold yeah on the plywood and it, and it involved having to remove all sorts of cabinets and replacing some flooring and and i and i did it i could have easily just rolled some new carpeting down and just yeah. moved on but i'm not wired that way i i'm i wouldn't want someone to do that to me yeah and, and as an unsuspecting buyer and i could not do that myself to someone so yeah, I did. I did what I felt was the right thing to do in the construction. Mm -hmm. 
and uh, but but not profitable. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, a lot of times people don't realize that uh, that there is an issue like that until it's too late. To, you know, if they're flipping it, I would imagine, you know, sometimes people don't know. Yeah. And sometimes people don't care. Yeah. And they'll do what's most profitable. Put some sealer on it and yeah, say I it's mean, done. There's there's ways you there's a lot of ways you can shortcut construction. Yeah. For yeah. sure. Yeah. Well, you know, hopefully, uh, you know, I mean, for the most part, it usually comes out in the wash afterwards. It takes a <laughs> while, but, uh, you know, it's but it is. Yeah, it's a shady thing sometimes. So what would you uh, say for uh, somebody thinking about getting into the business of flipping? Uh, what would you what would be your advice? What, what would you that's say? A, that's a great question. I would say to be very disciplined. Mm hmm. Sometimes you can sort of move your numbers around and say, yeah, if I just do a little bit, if I move this here and move that here, I can make this work. Run your numbers conservatively. And if they don't work, don't buy it. Yeah. Discipline is, 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 is the way to go. My dad would always tell me, and he's not a real estate guy, but he would always tell me, you make your money on the buy. In other words, if you buy in low, You've already got a little bit of margin built in. Right. And that's great advice. You can't always buy something on the cheap, which is what I would tell him. I said, Dad, if I only bought stuff when it was undervalued, I would never buy anything because it's hard to find stuff undervalued. We yeah. have a very efficient marketplace now. Mm -hmm. It's hard to dig up opportunities that other people are not aware of. Right. Yeah. So um, now that everything's kind of online, you know, right. in databases that there's other so people much can see. There's so much information out there. So. Mm -hmm. You just, you just need to bring a, a fair amount of discipline to mm -hmm. the table. And, and maybe it takes you an extra six months to find your first deal. But when you do it, it works out rather than doing a, your first deal prematurely and early and, and then it not working out. And then you never do another deal again because it was such a souring experience. Yeah. So to the point of information, I'll, I'll go back to the whole uh, brokerage side uh, uh, of my business, which is what I'm really doing most of these days anyway, mm -hmm. because of the fact that real estate information is so available and so ubiquitous now, Right, the role of the realtor has changed. It used to be that we had control of all the information. And if people wanted it, this might even be before your time, people had to use a realtor because mm -hmm. they, they didn't have realtor.com and Zillow and right. Truly and all that. Nowadays, people have almost as much information as we do. Right. Yeah. So the value that a realtor adds is not as much always information. It's experience. It's just guidance and experience. Right. How do you help someone navigate a transaction or a pair of transactions as efficiently as possible, managing risk, mm -hmm. managing aggravation, that sort of thing? Have you encountered somebody that's a little over involved in the process, <laughs> you know, and how do you kind of, uh, manage that? So I have had situations where people say, I want you to redo this photo. I want you to redo that photo. I yeah. want to, I don't like your description here, you know, right. Giving me a lot of directions and, and I'll tell people if I think they're doing themselves a disservice. Um, but generally I try to, if, if the suggestions are reasonable mm -hmm. and it makes someone feel better about how they're presenting their property, I will usually go along with it. 
the, the point is not to have a fight and to decide, you know, to, to establish who's in charge. Right. I'm working for them. Mm -hmm. I'm simply their agent. If this is what they want, unless I think it's against their best interests, I will generally comply. Yeah. Well, that it, it makes sense in, in, in your industry, because like you say, you, you're an agent for them, you know, you're mm -hmm. working for them. So you don't want Usu to argue with your customers, right? Right. right. <laughs> Usually people are pleasantly surprised. Mm -hmm. They'll see the brochure and they'll go, oh my God, this looks phenomenal. I love the, the photos. And that they're really pleased with the description because that's what I do every yeah. day is I, right. I, I read those, I write those and, and I kind of have a, a, maybe a better feel than they do for what people want to read and what they want to see and what's important and what isn't important. When you're writing details of a property, you know, for a, for a listing, what, it, what are the things that stand out in your mind? What, what are the most important things that you want to cover? That's a good, good question. And that depends on the sub market. You know, your description is going to be very different if it's a $3 million home, mm -hmm. than if it's a $250,000 home, it's just night and day. But one thing that I tend to do is to not get too wordy. Yeah. Some, sometime we, we were just reading one in the office the other day that was literally, it was like, yeah, hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of words. And we all looked at each other in this meeting. We said, you know, that's no one wants to read that. No, Even realtors don't want to read that. So I think there's there's some something to be said for choosing your words and keeping it brief, hitting all the high points, letting the pictures uh, flush out some of the more details and letting yeah. someone come to the property and right. get more details as they tour it. Yeah. One, one of the things uh, with uh, writing copy and things like that is, you know, if you answer all their questions, then they have no reason to call right. you. Right. So that's, that's a good point. Yeah. So you, you want to leave something to the imagination. You want, you know, a level of like mystery. <laughs> right. I mean, it's you want to answer the basics like, OK, you know, it has X amount of bedrooms and bathrooms. But, you know, we get in the details, I figure. But uh yeah, you definitely want a reason for them to contact And no one's going to spend five minutes reading a description. Yeah, right. Like they'll spend 30 seconds. And that's about it. Yeah, they'll mostly look at the pictures and see if they like it. So that's a huge part, too. What do you do as far as photography goes? Well, imagery is rule number one for real estate marketing these yeah. days. If you're not doing professional, gorgeous, beautiful photographs, then you're it's malpractice frankly. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> yeah, literally right yeah and, and it's you still see it occasionally mm -hmm. where yeah. people do um their own self photos yeah they and, get a finger over the lens. yeah or they, they you see them in the mirror <laughs> with the camera <laughs> yeah. in the bathroom i mean it, you see it occasionally but yeah. uh photography is really critical mm. um and it's got to be the lighting's got to be right and and, and everything and, and that's that's what that's what brings people to the door. That the, the first showing is the online showing. Mm -hmm. It's not when they come to the door. That's the second showing. Right. It's not like it used to be pre-internet. You know. Right. Uh, nowadays, majority of the processes, it's online. online. Yes. Yeah. And um, I have people that tell me about listings before I tell my cl buyer clients. Yeah. That tell me about a listing that they want to see before I've even just you know looked yeah. at it or discussed it with them yeah because they get the pop-up notifications as fast mm -hmm. as i do 
Yeah. Yeah. I mean, when, when it goes on the MLS, you know, people, a lot of the, a lot of the, the websites are direct, you know I mean? It, yes. It's right there. So they're seeing what you're seeing, not all the details, but they exactly. see the pictures. Exactly. You know, and uh, yeah, it is a game changer. Uh, I can imagine that uh, there's been a huge shift since you started. What would you say are the main differences from when you started out to now? Well, I touched on the fact that it used to be the clients would have to call us for information. Right. Believe it or not, right about when I was starting is the time at which the multiple listing service changed from a book into an online database. Yeah. Did you did you know that it used to I be didn't, I didn't a listing book hmm. this big that people got every week yeah. or every month, and it was ridiculous. <laughs> you know now yeah. we can sift and sort and hem things in. Yeah, into right. a, you know like oh I need something with a first floor master bedroom and I want it to be this price and I want it to mm -hmm. be this this amount of square feet with this many garage yeah. spots and this lot Definitely. size. So you can you can really organize your data. Absolutely. With the book, you literally would just it was it was like, like the size one? of a Do you phone like this book. One? Do you like it this one? It was ridiculous. <laughs> so thank God that was being phased out right yeah. about when I was starting. Um, the one the one advantage of the old system mm. is that for a investor, for example, real estate was a little the information was a little more disjointed. It wasn't as well organized. It wasn't as um, ubiquitous and democratic. Mm -hmm. So you could occasionally pick off a deal that other people didn't know about just because they, they didn't open that section of the book or they didn't yeah. see that ad in the paper. Right. There was more mystery to it. More, You know, you, you have to do more due diligence when it's like you got to flip through a book, mm -hmm. right? Um, rather than have the computer do it. I loved it. When I started, I used to, there used to be pages and pages of little tiny classified real estate ads in the newspaper, yeah. the trip. Yep. And I used to circle them and drive around for hours and, and, and find interesting opportunities. Mm. And the fact that the real estate section died as a result, I believe, of Craigslist, the fact that the classified section yeah. of the paper. Well, the paper died. Died because, pretty much. Of, because of Craigslist. Yeah. Um, kind of stopped that whole thing. Yeah. But it, it was it was very different. That, that, that was a big part of the market way back 30 plus years ago. Mm -hmm. Classifieds. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. No, I remember that's that. That's something yeah. that's really changed. Yeah, definitely. And then the market cycles were, you know, sometimes, excuse me, sometimes it's a buyer's market, sometimes it's a seller's market. Um, you know, uh, land has really gone up and down in value. Uh, it used to be any any decent piece of land, developers would be buying it to build something. And now there's lots of land that's available and there's not that many people clamoring to build because it's it's not such a slam dunk anymore. I, it's very interesting. Uh, one, one of the things that uh, I wanted to ask you, and I asked a couple other guests as well, the, the way that we've been moving, it's nothing new that we have computers. Computers are not the new thing now, you know, <laughs> but, you know, so, so that, that has shifted. Um, but inevitably there's going to be another shift and there's going to be things that are going to change in the market. Are there any things that you're seeing now that you think, Prediction-wise, uh, 
Do you think that there's going to be a, any major shift in the next 10, 15 years technology wise or the way things are done? Is there anything kind of on there, your radar? There's a lot of things going on in real estate as there are in a lot of other industries which are um, shaving margins. Uh, I'm still I'm, I'm part of a full service real estate organization. Yeah. But there are limited service real estate organizations and technology based real estate companies that are growing and, and starting. And um, there, there is some concern about the business model for the full service realtor. And, you know, uh, specifically AI, you know, AI uh, kind of taking a lot of the human part out of it, you know, with, with the, the amount of information that there is now online, like you were saying before, the ability to kind of um, check your boxes and plug in exactly what you want. Mm -hmm. You know, do you, do you, do you think that there's something that the human uh, has that can never be replaced or, or what, what do you think? That's a good, I, I would say yes. If I were moving to a different state, mm -hmm. And I was planning on buying a house. And I think this is the best testament to my industry that I can make because I've been in it for 30 years. If I was moving to California and I was going to buy a house, the first thing I would do would be to find a realtor that I trust. That knows the neighborhood. Yes. Right. Because they're going to, I don't know how AI can possibly synthesize what a realtor has learned, you know, over 25 years of practice and, and, and translate that to another human being. I, I just, I don't, I don't know how it could happen. Yeah. It's it. There's, I don't know that I would trust it. That's, that's the other, that's the big thing. Do you trust the results? Because, and this, this goes into another question that I had, you know, with, with technology and the way people buy online nowadays is it's a lot different. You know, you used to meet somebody and shake their hand. That doesn't happen as much, you know? How have the buyers changed? How have the sellers changed since you got into the business? Mm -hmm. it, would you say that uh, uh, it's an easier process dealing with them because they just they they're already there almost, or is it more difficult because of something that I'm not aware of? I don't think clients have changed that much. No, I really don't. Same same concerns, same needs. Yes. Well. You know, if I, if I, I think if I'm understanding the question, I don't, I don't think that I have seen a discernible difference in how clients behave. Wow. So it's, it's pretty much about the, the necessity of the, you know, they need to find a place to live and, you know, they, they, uh, you know, have something going on in life and they need somebody that has expertise. As well. Yeah. The, the big change is the information. Hmm. They have a lot of the information and, some clients are more active searching it than others. Yeah. And some clients are more interactive, but um, other than the change in the amount of information available to the client, the rest of the transaction is the rest of the process is very much the same. Hmm. Entirely the same. Wow. wow. Have you, what have you heard? Well, I, I don't know if it's so much the, of what I've heard. I, I, f I feel that um, the fact that people have a lot more information available to them 
can either, you know, and this is why I ask you, because you're in the industry, it's like, it could either complicate it because there's too many choices um, or it could, you know, uh, put the wrong types of things in their head because they're listening to other people's experiences that they normally wouldn't have heard. Um, I think it really just boils down to information overload. You know, I mean, whenever you're trying to put choices in front of somebody, you don't want to put one choice. You don't want to put a thousand choices. You want to put three or four, you mm -hmm, know, mm -hmm. and when you, when you, you know, when you, when you go above and beyond that, now it's like, oh, oh, you know, anxiety, there's too much going on, you know, and, uh, I think that complicates things. Hmm. Um, I mean, that, that's just my, hmm. I guess, you know, I mean, it, it, with other industries, you know, I, hmm. you know, I figure it, it should be similar in some way. Um, but you know, for, I mean, you're, you're on the ground handling clients. So mm -hmm. it's interesting to hear that you're saying that I think that, uh, yeah, there, I think there's probably changes that you don't even realize because you've been in it constantly, but, um, it is, it is, uh, interesting to see that, that people haven't changed. It's just the things that they have access to have. Yeah. I don't think they have. Hmm. Wow. I well, think it's the same sort of concerns that come up. One, one thing that I do when I'm working with buyers um, that I have found has been is I like, I like to just pound the pavement. I want them to see 10, 20, 30 properties within their, within their uh, fit criteria, criteria. the yeah. properties that fit their criteria. Thank you. Um, because then they're going to be literally as much of an expert in their market as I am. Hmm. And they will be able to spot an opportunity. And when when they have a context of several dozen properties mm -hmm. over whether it's several weeks or several months, they're going to they're going to feel like they know the market. And then when the right deal comes along, they're going to know it. And they're going to move forward and they're going to feel comfortable about moving forward because yeah, they yeah, know that they know important. what's going on. Yeah. Rather than taking someone's word for it. Right. There's been times when I've seen the best, it could be if I'm going out with a family on day one, first property, and that's like- That's the one. The perfect match. Yeah. But they're not ready yet. Wow. They, a lot of families, they need, they have no context yet. Now, so in my mind, I'm always thinking about the sale in a psychological sense, you know, and, and how people work and how people come to the decision. Cause that's just the experience that, of, you know, kind of what I do. Um, so is it in the buyer's best interest to see things that don't fit what they want for reference? Yes. Right. So do I you take so. that into account? I think so. Yeah. So I, I, I don't generally like drag my clients around to a bunch of houses that right. I know that they would never buy. But sometimes if it meets their general criteria, even if I think it's probably not a match, sometimes you have to go and walk through it together yeah. and discuss it as to why it's, as not, to a why it's not a match. Yeah. Or maybe it surprises you. This is a match. Yeah. And here's the reason why. Huh. Yeah. Yeah. That makes a lot of sense. I mean, you know, I mean, because it, it is, you, you said it. I mean, it's the biggest uh one of the biggest decisions that people ever make, you know, and uh, 
saving money and, and all this. And, you know, you're not going to be moving every year to a new house. Right. Know? And the, the length of ownership is, is trending upward. Instead of people trading houses every seven or eight years, it's lengthening meaningfully. And I think the average is now 11, mm. which is a, on a percentage basis. That's a big change. Yeah. Well, one of the other changes that's happening, as far as I'm concerned, you know, in the Chicago area, uh, in terms of working with clients, it tends to be a lot more fun working with buyers mm -hmm. because buyers are generally kind of happy when the transaction's over. They got a new house yeah, and it, definitely. It's, it's, it's an exciting adventure. And with sellers, mo many, if not most, are not making the kind of money that they were hoping to make. Right. Some are even taking a loss to sell their house. Yeah. And that's just not fun. No. So it's just... You know, you're, you're helping them accomplish something, but it sure ain't fun. Yeah. Whereas on the buyer side, there's a little excitement at the end. Yeah. So that's one sense. thing that's changed. You know, in the heyday, when things were going crazy, you could help the family and they're, oh, look, we just made $200,000. That's Doesn't awesome. happen as much. You don't see that. Yeah. Yeah. Since since everything's right there, you can see, you know, there's a information overload. There's no, no margin <laughs> for you to kind of, no wiggle room, really, I figure. And it's really interesting. There's so much that goes into this stuff. So, you know, like, well, I, I like the idea of, you know, you're educating somebody on what they want and, uh, you know, they, they know what they need, but sometimes what they need and what they want aren't necessarily the same thing. I mean, when you, when you walk, so take me through a showing, what do you, you know, we're walking into a house, you know, that has three bedrooms. That's what I wanted. It, you know, it has the, you know, the hardwood flooring, it has whatever, this and that it's got a basement. Okay. What are the questions that you ask people? What, what are the, what are the things that you say to people as you walk through the threshold? It can be very complicated because a husband and a wife are not always on the same page. Yeah. Right. Before the showing, during the showing, after the showing. Um, uh, but one of the things that I think a savvy realtor can do for their client is helping them look past the superficial stuff. Mm -hmm. So, you might have a client fall in love with this sexy new kitchen with the quartz uh, counter and the, uh, you know, the shaker style white cabinets and this and that. Sure. And the stainless appliances. And and you might remind them that, you know, this really isn't that much bigger than the condo that you're leaving. And maybe you want something that's not as sexy, mm -hmm. but has a bigger basement and a better backyard and this and that. And, and, and you know what? For you know, ten thousand dollars, you could paint it and have new flooring in this room and yeah. that sort of thing. So you wanna you wanna help pay, people make a good longer term decision, I think. Yeah, and not get dazzled by the superficial stuff that can yeah. can emotionally uh, uh, distract oh, yeah. people. Well, that goes into the presentation. So that that's a trick. I mean, it is a trick. You know, um, so, I mean, in my mind is if I were to be having this conversation uh, in my, I guess, as, as a guess, I figure I would probably say, you know, these th are things you're buying what they're in, you know, mm -hmm. you're buying the house. <laughs> so these things can come and go. You know, it's about the bones. You know, what, what I mean, are we buying it's, here? It's relevant uh, to the extent something a house has been updated. Sure. Some people don't want to tackle a renovation project. Mm -hmm. but you just want to, you want to put everything in, in a context and, um, 
evaluate what might be the best 10 year plan for them if that's what they're looking for mm -hmm. in terms of space, bedroom count, proximity to schools and things like that. And, 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 you know, just think about the implications of everything before they just get dazzled by a right. new kitchen. Yeah. And Hey, you know, I mean, more power to the seller, uh, by, by having that new kitchen in there, you know? Um, that, that, I mean, so, so when you actually, uh, are talking to a buyer, do you bring up the potential for renovation? Do you bring that up and say, you know, yeah, since that's sort of something that I've always looked for value add and a, a value add opportunity can also be for a user, right? Someone that's going to use the house and maybe, you know, fix it up over time. Yeah. So I love to, to walk through houses and, and point out the potential that a place has right with a couple of key moves mm -hmm. yeah it makes perfect sense i mean that's that's drawing from your own experience really exactly. at the highest level exactly um that's what sets you apart because there's a million real estate people there certainly know? are there's yeah. no shortage of realtors yeah yeah <laughs> and uh you know so you got to have something that 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 sets you apart and i yep. think that's your thing there getting back to you and a little bit uh outside of the real estate thing you said that Promotion was not your strong suit for yourself. I disagree to an extent just with, with what we've talked about a little bit. I think that obviously everybody can kind of uh, uh, improve on those things. But what do you think that – why do you think that is? Is there is there a reason why you don't – maybe do you not feel comfortable promoting yourself as much? I guess I would put myself in the category of someone that would rather under-promise and over-deliver sure. rather than vice versa. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm not a shy person, but I'm not a big talker rah, type rah, of rah, guy. Rah, rah, hype person. Yeah, I'm not a yeah. big talker type of guy. And um, it's just uh, something I need to work on. The real estate, the, the, the reality of the, of the real estate business is it's not about houses. You're, you're selling yourself and you need to create leads. Yeah. And lead generation is really separate. Mm -hmm. from houses yeah i, I mean that's a some huge, people huge get component. into the business thinking oh i love walking through houses and, mm -hmm. you know and that's great and and i like walking through houses too and i like talking about houses and i like learning about construction and yeah. i like all that stuff but the business unfortunately because there are so many realtors is about lead generation yeah yeah and and then you know the the next step is using those leads effectively Yes. You know, I've always tried to, um, you know, one way I've tried to set, uh, set myself apart is since I got in the business kind of young, I thought no one is going to hire a 22 year old to, to represent them with a significant piece of real estate. So I started taking classes. Mm -hmm. Um, and I have accumulated over the course of 28 years, a sort of somewhat comical amount of real estate certifications and yeah. designations. I didn't forget about that. And yeah. um, uh, to the point where I need to just kind of pull the plug on that and just, you know, focus on now everyday it's time stuff. To do it. Right. So, but meanwhile, I'm doing another one as we speak. <laughs> um, but, you know, I, I actually enjoy going to class. I like learning. I like reading. Yeah. And, uh, and you can always learn more. Sure. You know, I've got I've got designations that deal with dealing with seniors, um, green, sustainable housing stuff, yeah. dealing with commercial property. Um, and, and 
I, I like learning new things. I don't ever want to be stagnant. So yeah. I probably will continue to take these courses and do these designations, but uh, I wouldn't see any reason why not to. That's you know? one technique that I've tried to employ mm -hmm. over the years to, to kind of make clear that this is, it's not a part-time thing for me. This is my occupation. It's my profession. Mm -hmm. I'm all in. Yeah. It's full time. This is what I do. I'm not leaving it. And, um, well, there's a lot of tourists in the real estate industry. There's a lot of people that, that get into it as, Hey, I can try this second career, part-time yeah. career. Exactly. Right. And, and they're entitled to, and sure. it's perfectly, you got to start, you got to start somewhere or do something, right. you know, see if it's a good fit. You know, that's the biggest thing about trying things, you know, try things right. out. You don't know. I mean, it's, you have one life, so why not? Um, one of the things that I find interesting talking with, uh, you know, people on this show and just in, in general is that generally the people that have the highest skill, uh, level of skill are the people that doubt themselves the most. And, um, it, it's called imposter syndrome, hmm. you know, and it's, it's, uh, so there's a, also the opposite where people that don't really have a good understanding of something claim to have a really good understanding of something. And that is, you know, it's the opposite. So that's interesting. The more you know about it, I don't think I've ever heard of that. Yeah. It's the so imposter syndrome. Imposter syndrome is where you feel like you're not as good as the other people hmm. because you know more you, because hmm. you, you know that there's things that you don't know, you know? So, so that's, that's a big thing. And, it, and you know, a lot of entrepreneurs and people like that deal with that. Hmm. Uh, uh, you know, that's, it's part of the, part of the thing. So it's a big, big thing. I'm going to read about that. Thank you for mentioning it. Absolutely. Yeah. And it, it's very true because whenever you kind of feel like you're not uh, up to the level of the people around you, um, you know, in your case in particular, you've been doing this probably three times as long as some of the people that you're looking at and saying, Oh, well, you know, that person, you know, and it's really just all in your head mm -hmm. because you are an authority, you know, you, you do have the credentials, you have been doing this and, you know, it's almost uh, a lot of salespeople and a lot of people, you know, in, in that type of industry um, will, will uh, sell themselves short, you know, and um, you have to sell yourself first in order to sell other people mm -hmm. and people forget that because you're always focused on external things. Mm -hmm. And, uh, that's a really interesting, mm. uh, line of conversation that I like to have with people because, you know, sure. We could talk about, okay, this is how you sell this. This is how I was trained. People want this. Here's how much it is. Cool. That's, that's fine. But mm -hmm. there's, there's, there's so much more, uh, you know, involved in these, these types of things, you know, the person the you know, your confidence, sincerity, all those things are, it's a whole package, you know? And, um, I, I, that's what I love about talking with, you know, people, uh, like yourself, you know, it's, it's very interesting conversation. So I guess coming back around, you know, as far as not promoting yourself, mm -hmm. um, that sometimes could be a symptom of an imposter syndrome. <laughs> Do you feel that maybe that, that is something where you, you feel like maybe, you know, is there, is there, is there something almost like a self-consciousness that comes I, in, I, into that? Maybe. I hope you're right. I think you've, you've given me a little more self-awareness today, to be honest with you. Wow. Maybe that is part of what I'm dealing with. Yeah. I deal with it too. Yeah. And, uh, you know, people that I talk to deal with it. I mean, it's, it's something that people don't like to admit, 
But when you hear it, you know, and it kind of is like, oh, wait, mm. no, that's probably mm-hmm. true. It's probably true, you know. <laughs> and, uh, you know, truth sometimes uh, wakes you up a little bit. But, you know, that's, uh, that's a good thing, though. You know, and, um, you know, I think that, uh, uh, you know, the impact that you make on your customers is life changing. You know, I mean, uh, sometimes it is. Yeah. A lot of times I would imagine. I mean, purchasing a home or selling a home, it's like one of the biggest things. Right. So, you know, you you know, even though it's a short period of time that you interact with somebody, it's just a transaction. Um, it's a life-changing transaction for a lot of people. Sometimes you get kind of close to your clients. You spend a lot yeah. of time with them. Sometimes, you know, it could be three or four hours in a car. Sometimes you have lunch during your tour right. and you do that several weekends in a row. Mm-hmm. And, and sometimes there's a lot of emotion. Sure. That's coming into play with a purchase or a sale. And you get shockingly close to a, a family or an individual. Yeah. And uh, I've, I've made some friends and um, it's fun. One of my favorite experiences uh, is when I was representing a lovely family um, looking for their first detached single family home. They had owned a condo before. They were in a rental now and then they're moving to a uh, they wanted to find a single family home and it was kind of amusing because the wife is kind of a type a type of person sure half the properties that we saw she would say let's just do this let's buy this let's get it over with <laughs> and the husband and i would say i don't think we've Hold seen on enough a second. Yeah. let's let's give it a little more time and we would talk her, and i had to literally talk her out of several deals Wow. And some very lengthy phone conversations. Hmm. Uh, and, and the husband and I were kind of working as a team and not to try to um, uh, take advantage of anyone, but to, to to do what we thought was best for the family. Right. So we hung in there several extra weeks or months. I don't even remember. And we ended up finding a property that was not being marketed very well with crappy photographs, mm-hmm. inadequate description. And they bought a property for arguably $50,000 less than what it was worth. Wow. And this is not a high income family. They do fine, but they're not millionaires. And that 50,000 that they earned when they signed the closing documents on paper, you know, mm-hmm. that, right. that equity that they uh, achieved by, by buying that house is real money. Yeah, that's real money. That's going to speak to their financial security on a going forward basis. And I feel it's huge. So good about that because I really like those people. And by kind of um, withstand, you know, by by just exercising some patience and doing what we felt was right. Yeah. You let the process work. Yeah, you did we your found job. Them a phenomenal yeah. deal. The house was 10 times better than anything we were looking at. It just couldn't have worked out any that's better. That's great. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, is that what keeps you going? Yes, and and they just sent me a text a couple of weeks ago, and it was from their son who was saying, you know, thank you for helping us buy this great house. We love it here, and that made me feel so good. Wow. Yeah, I don't get that every day. But, no, but that that one just made me feel like a million bucks. That's great. Yeah, I love those stories. I mean, it's uh, you got a lot of fans you don't even know about. <laughs> you know, isn't that crazy? 
it's crazy how that stuff works. But um, man, we did an hour. Did we? Yeah, we did. All right. You, got, that, me, you got me through it. Thank yeah. you. Yeah. <laughs> um, you know, and uh, for anybody that's in the market buying or selling, you know, if uh, or even just questions, uh, it's it's very clear. Greg's been doing this for a while, and he knows his stuff. Um, so where's the best way to find you? Um, you know, what do you want to, uh, promote to the website phone? What's the best way to contact uh, you? Greg would work. My phone number is 312-802-7585. I'm not even sure which camera I'm supposed to be looking at. <laughs> and, uh, my email would be G S Weissman at atproperties.com and and i look forward to meeting anyone that wants to chat about real estate absolutely yeah well greg it's really been a, pr a pleasure here i you know i mean we could we could easily do another hour or two thank you steve it's uh, been fun absolutely uh, so I, I appreciate you and uh thanks for tuning in guys <laughs> bye-bye <laughs>